the comic book pit. Okay. That's something that we need to. We, I mean, our thinking. Well, we that can come it. up during the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Let's get the show. Okay. On the road. Yes. Let's do it. All right. So this is Comic Book Pit episode two seventy. I'm Dan, and I'm Scott, and I'm Marcel. That's right. That is special guest Marcel Walker. Yeah. Who is a jack of all trades? I mean, he's a, a as far as comics go. I mean, he's. You're doing it all. You're a Renaissance man. <laughs> doing a, I'm doing a lot of stuff now. It's uh, yeah, it's a little out of control. <laughs> well, well, so let's start. So, just uh, last year, you were uh, nominated and won the best local cartoonist for the Pittsburgh City Paper, mm-hmm. their yeah, annual right. poll. Yeah. So that was cool. Yes, I, I guess they had changed something last year for their nominating process. And uh, I walked into a store near where I live, and I'm, I'm friends with the, the people who work there. And they told me, they're like, hey, we <laughs> we made sure that you got nominated. For that. And I, I got that from other people. Like, people were determined to get me nominated oh, wow. for that Best Local Cartoonist Award. Yeah, and then I got to admit, I, I wanted that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I... There's there's the whole being modest thing, and which is good. Like, be humble, be modest. Yeah. I I wanted that award. Yeah, (laughs) totally did. Like I I was promoting that online. I was like, hey, I need vote vote for me. (laughs) Also, vote for other people. You know, I told yeah because I I was ridiculously regimented every voting for other people. I didn't just vote for myself for best cartoonist. I voted for myself the most because my thinking is if you don't love yourself the most, what's going on there? (laughs) But but I voted for the other you know other vote other cartoonists in in a lot of the categories. So, but that was. Very special. Like I was very honored that I got that. So That's that awesome. was cool. Yeah. Now I can. It's like a, it's a thing. It's like it's a credit that I can actually put yeah. on things. Oh you yeah. Know? Yeah. No, so, That's quite the quite the feather in your cap. Not bad. Not bad for a for a hometown Steel City boy. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and uh, I mean, you got other stuff going on. You got the. So I mean, I. Um, oh, so, yeah. so you're working for the Holocaust Center. Mm-hmm. You just uh, you guys just put out your newest volume. We did. We just uh, yeah. We just you want to uh, talk about that? Should I hold it up? Yeah. Why don't you hold yeah. it? Should up? I hold all of them up? Or oh, maybe we'll do that. Well, yeah. that's that's volume three. That just came out. That just came out. And then I put them all together. Two now. That one came out in twenty. Yeah. I'll try and keep it straight. That one came out in twenty sixteen. And then Volume 1, which came out in 2014, which started off the series. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I – so, Hoots Pal, Superheroes of the Holocaust, a publication of the Holocaust Center of Pittsburgh. Hoots uh, Pal kicked off in 2014, and the lead project writer is Wayne Wise, and I'm the lead project artist. 
and I've been the lead project artist since it started. It's an anthology comic that tells the real-life stories of, for the most part, regional Holocaust survivors and heroes. Uh, and it was created to revamp Holocaust education, and it was it was created specifically with that purpose in mind. Uh, and it's just it's been very successful. It's been more and more successful as we're going along. And you know, when we when we when the project was created, or was in, when it was in its initial stages, I guess I should say, you know, not. It, it wasn't necessarily just embrace the concept because, you know, those of us who've grown up with comics and have just been involved in the culture, we know innately that comics are just like every other kind of media, television and movies and, and books, you know, it, it, it could be, they can be anything, you know, even when they were conceived the way we think of comics back in the 1930s or whatever, you know, they were for all audiences. They weren't for juvenile audiences. It was, you know, it was disposable entertainment, but it was for all audiences. And then the things that unfolded in comics history did, and then eventually it got to be equated with, you know, I think with, uh, with as juvenile entertainment. And unfortunately, then degrees, it, it kind of sort of became juvenile entertainment as a result of that. But it never completely lost those roots, like in, as, as, a, as a means of media, as a means of communication, as an art form. It's always had the same potency and same power. So, you know, you, you go through the decades and, and you know, closer to the present day, I think what also would happen is during those inter intermittent years like or intervening years, people would collect or read comics and then they would stop. Most of them would stop at a certain point. And because I think most of them stopped, you know, maybe they're, they're teens or whatever. They stopped. They, they didn't, they didn't continue on with comics. I think they would equate comics with childhood. And yeah. so, you know, and I think that just kind of perpetuated itself. But now, now we're in a time and a place where comics, you know, have, have a breadth of audiences again. But yeah, when we, when the idea for Hood's Pal was, was starting to get out there, it wasn't just automatically well received. A lot of people had the question, like, why would you make a comic book about the Holocaust? <laughs> then we did the first issue and people could see what we were actually attempting to do. And it, it changed. It was very, it was received amazingly like right off the bat like the release party for that crazy thing was mm -hmm. it was downtown in front of the tunesium and they that was fun i remember that you were there yeah there. they <laughs> shut down part of liberty avenue it was something like four yeah. or five hundred people attended oh it, was, it was it was it was crazy like their artists so it was me and wayne and mark zingarelli and dave wachter and chris moeller who we all worked on that first issue oh, wow. and literally there was a line we were there for hours signing autographs it was the craziest was most beautiful thing there was certain some of the survivors came down uh and and it once the survivors saw it they they instantly took to it so now you know, originally the question was why would you do this now the question is are we going to be in the next one <laughs> so uh you know so we did the second issue in 2016 and that was equally well received. And I feel like with three, though, we've really hit our stride. So each issue has its own theme. And the first issue was uh, The Upstanders. That's the subtitle, Volume 1, The Upstanders. And I think that that one is meant to introduce the overall themes of of our survivors and our heroes, like what they do, their breadth of experience. You know, we have, you know, there's camp experiences. There's ghetto experiences. There's, uh, there's uh, partisans there's military uh, uh, participants. There's uh, just a little of, of everything. So and then in the second issue, we focus on uh, more well-known figures. 
And then in this third issue, well, so volume two was, uh, was, uh, international heroes. And then volume three is the young survivors. So this issue focuses on, uh, all Pittsburgh area survivors or people who eventually relocated to Pittsburgh. And they all had, uh, well, they were all children during the Holocaust. And that gives it a very specific tone. And we had an approach that we used with this one where that we, it, the, the actual issue by itself has an arc. It's, it's an anthology of stories. All the three issues are anthologies, but volume three, it kind of has a beginning and a middle and an end all of its own. And we're really proud of it. And it's like we, we, we have felt that this one has really been the one that's opened up the project. Like people have really taken to it. And, uh, I, I couldn't be more proud of it, you know? So I, the first two issues, I was just, I will just, I was the lead project artist. And the second issue, I also wrote a story. I did all the covers on the, on all the issues. I have a story in each one. With volume three, I actually was brought on board as an employee at the Holocaust Center. So that was January of 2017. I started working out there as the Hutzpah project coordinator. Which is a very, very nice. That's adult, cool. I know that's a very adult <laughs> title, right? And so basically, I'm the editor of the project as well. And Zach Zaffris, who had been our editor on volumes one and two, uh, you know, he graciously stepped aside because the project needed somebody who could be dedicated to it. He also had other duties out there, but he and I had worked so closely on volumes one and two, you know, in a in a growing capacity that it basically it was. You know, it was easy for me to just kind of come in there and, and the, the staff at the Holocaust Center has been wonderful. I can't say enough about them because this is really a group, a collaborative project. You know, there's the creative parts of it, but there's all these other parts that are unseen. And uh, it just wouldn't be without any of them. And then, of course, I can't say enough about the survivors, you know, being so open and sharing their stories and allowing us to uh to share them with broader audiences and it, it's it's just a blessing i love this book it's, it's it's i mean it's it's stuff you can do in comics that you can't do anywhere else yeah. like some of these layouts are they're, they're pretty mm -hmm. great yeah you're, you're you're looking at the thing that yeah that was the, he's looking at a layout of towards the beginning we have uh the the six survivors that are focused on in this issue technically five because one of these stories is going to be used uh and online but the six survivors that are focused on this issue we show them as children and then we show them as seniors as as they oh, came yeah. to be and, and it's such a cool i love that and it's at the it's at the end of the book so you kind of so mm -hmm. you read about each one yeah right during the book and then is that the idea i gotta tell, I didn't get to read this yet, that's so. exactly it and we i gotta say that was like in terms of just the structure of the book because I've always considered myself the guardian of the Hutzpah aesthetic. And that was something I had in mind from the beginning. Like that, that, that came out so closely to, I, I, I rarely had a thing come out that closely to what I had originally envisioned. It just, it worked. Like that was meant to be. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm very proud. And, and people have cited that those two spreads as just being very emotionally affecting. Yeah, which is what that's the intent. Like it's supposed to be. Right. So, yeah, it's it's um it, we're we're all really proud. So mm -hmm. just today, today earlier this afternoon, uh we we have there's at the Holocaust Center, we have a group of we have students in like we have right now we have two companion art exhibits with Hutzpah up. Uh one is at the Holocaust Center. Hmm. 
yeah, that one, uh, Hutzpah, The Art of Resistance. So that focuses on the art from volumes one and two, and it recontextualizes the artwork. So it's like it pulls them out of sequence from the books, but it groups them according to their individual themes, which is something I wouldn't have thought of. And then it, it gives you a uh, supporting material on each of the stories that isn't in the books because, you know, in the real world, there's a teacher's resource guide that's available for uh, teachers and instructors who want to delve into this with their students. Uh, so this kind of does that for audience. So that, that exhibit is at the Holocaust Center itself, but we also have uh, a super Hoods Pal Superheroes of the Holocaust Volume 3 exhibit, which is at the American Jewish Museum, which is in the Jewish Community Center in Squirrel Hill. And you can okay. see the original art from Volume 3 there. So there's like all sorts of stuff that people can see. We have groups that come to the Holocaust Center all the time to uh, to see whatever art exhibits that we have up and to meet and listen to survivors. So tomorrow we have a group coming in. It's a seventh grade uh, group from a local school. Your teacher's bringing them in, somebody I know. And, and hi, Becky. She's wonderful. <laughs> and she's she's bringing her kids in. So she actually had the kids read all three issues of Hutzpah. And they've also read the, the first half of Mouse. Oh, so nice. they're prepared, yeah. Wow. And she had them uh, answer questions about Hood's Pal, and then they're going to meet one of the survivors that's profiled in this issue oh. in Volume Three. So it's like that's and awesome. they they are ready. And I got to tell you, she, she brought their answers to some of these questions, and I we all could have started crying. Like it was it was so wonderful with their responses or like the stories they responded to individually, and. Just what they they were taking away from them individually, uh, and then we they were also asked like who did they consider to be what, what we call upstanders, you know, as opposed to you have bystanders who you know let things happen and they you know they stand aside, then you have upstanders who are get actively involved to stop the wrongs they see. So you know who did they consider to be upstanders? And I mean it's just lovely. It's just. You know, I, I, I have never been as, I, and I've been involved in a lot of really great projects with a lot of social work. This just, it, it just, it just gets you. It's beautiful. That's cool. Holy yeah. smokes. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, I think it's pretty safe to say, even like aside from Mouse, there's probably hasn't really been anything quite like this. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to discount like anything else that's been published as far as sure tales about you know world war ii or the holocaust or anything like that but i mean with with this you know it's been receiving this kind of you know attention sure and notoriety well and there are i have to i have to note there are other publications other comics publications comics art graphic prose i use i like i love that term graphic prose because mm -hmm. like it might and this just goes to my own philosophy how graphic prose describes the art form versus terms like comic books or graphic novels or trade paperbacks or web comics like that's the application of the form you know so it's like the difference between water and a cup that's my that's a whole marcel thing but <laughs> but um there have been other works in this media about the holocaust and some of them, like, incredibly well done. I think what separates Hutzpah from those, and also other literary works, like straight-up literary works, mm -hmm. is Hutzpah was specifically designed to be uh, to be utilized in educational settings. And and it and it's actually had I've just since Volume Three has come out, it has a breadth of of audiences within that context. So you know, I've I have talked to 
middle school students because it's designed more or less for about sixth grade and up, more or less. That's about where you, the entry point is. Um, but I've just talked to middle school students. I've talked to high school students. I've talked to college students. I was just uh, along with Lauren Barron's father, our director at the Holocaust Center. We uh, we presented for a group of OSHER students. Uh, that's that's uh, it's older learning students, so seniors. And so it, it, this this book has a wide appeal, and we. But this one, and it was also designed specifically for that. Like, all, it's general audiences can read it and hopefully will enjoy it. But you know, the other books that have preceded it that have had you know, acclaim in this field, you know, you have, so you have, of course, the diary of Anne Frank, there's mm-hmm. night by Elie Wiesel and there's mouse. Those are the three that I found typically get referenced. None of those were created with the express purpose of utilizing them for education. It's yeah. like they were created and then they got, they got utilized after the fact right. in that mm-hmm. way. So, but this one was created to, and it, there is a difference. I'll tell you. So it was a couple of years ago. I was asked to present to uh, a group of students at Carlo College, and they had they were they had read. And this, we, I think, we only had Volume One at that time. We might have had Volume Two, but I'm, I'm presenting with them, talking about the history of the project and you know all of the things. And they had read Mouse as well, and they those students told me directly how Hutzpah. And this is nothing against Mouse. It is a wonderful, wonderful book. And, you know, an incredibly moving story, but it is a completely different kind of work. And they said Mm -hmm. they responded better to Hutzpah. And I have some theories about that. The biggest one being, I think, you know, Hutzpah is, you know, it's not, it's not rendering, I'm going to say in a graphic sense, the way Mouse is, you know, Mouse is using like analogy in terms of, you know, all the Jewish people are rendered as mice Mm -hmm. and German people are rendered as cats and so on. Mm We, there's none of that in Hutzpah. Hutzpah is kind of rendered to be as, as direct as possible. Yeah. And I think there is something to that. I think there is something with the representation that choice that we use, representational choices that are used in, in the series. And it just connects better, you know, in that way. Like it, it, you, it, and the stories are all very short. You know, the, all three books are anthologies. So there's not, we kind of have to cut to the chase. Like there's not a lot of room to, play around and you know we just got to jump right into these stories but the immediacy of that i think it works yeah i think that just gets the audiences that much more involved and engrossed mm-hmm. i'll talk forever about this <laughs> <year or so. laughs> well well let's well, why don't we switch gears a little bit so aside from your work at uh, the holocaust center and with hoods powell you're also uh pretty deep in the uh the, the tunesium oh yeah <laughs> That place, yes. <laughs> so, I am currently the president of the board of the Tunesium, and that just formally happened just this this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been a member of the board for the last two years, and I've been involved with the Tunesium from its inception. You know, its founder Joe Woes and I go back twenty plus years. You know, because I'm I'm old. <laughs> so, well, just. Maybe just a little background. So, what maybe yeah. for those who might not be aware of it or uh, not familiar with it? I mean, we're familiar with it because we've been because we live here. Yeah, because <laughs> we live here. But what, why don't you tell everyone what what exactly the Tunesium is? Sure, sure. So, the Tunesium is Pittsburgh's Museum of Comics and Cartoon Art, and it was established in 2007. And it was originally established at the Children's Museum of Pittsburgh yeah. uh, by Joe Woes. 
a local cartoonist uh, and artist. And Joe uh, eventually was able to relocate, I think within two years. Yeah, it was two years yeah. later. He relocated it to downtown Pittsburgh where, it, you know, it's remained until the present. And, you know, and it's just, you know, it expanded, you know, it went from being essentially a hallway or two hallways, I think, at the Children's mm-hmm. Museum, to being a gallery downtown, to being a double gallery space downtown. And it, there have been dozens of exhibits held there, and they've covered, they've run the gamut in terms of subject matter. And it's just a celebration of comics. Like, the Toonsium has existed uh, to celebrate the art of comics and cartoons, to celebrate and share love of comics and cartooning. Uh, and there have been some enormous successes, you know, like, Personally, I think the, the highest point to date of what the Toonsium has done and accomplished was in towards it was fall of 2016. I want to get this right. We had an exhibit called From MLK to March. And so this covered mostly two known works. One was The Montgomery Story, a comic from the 1950s that told the story of the, the Montgomery bus boycott, Martin Luther King Jr. and, and, and the Civil Rights movement the early days of the civil rights movement and it and it kind of went up to the present and covered the graphic novel series march which tells the story of congressman john lewis who was a uh, a follower of martin luther king jr's and so this is somebody who worked directly with him <laughs> and so it tells his story and how he, he came to get involved in the civil rights movement and then uh and just and that in his life, even up to the present, it, it's March is a remarkable book. Now, so while that exhibit was up, because it was at the August Wilson Center downtown, which is across from the Toonsium, and it was so well received that we ended up bringing it across the street for an extended run at the physical Toonsium, and it was there for several more months. Uh, and we we and for its debut, the Toonsium brought John Lewis and March's creators, the writer and artist, Andrew Iden, and, oh, I totally, I just totally drew a blank on the, on the artist's name. <laughs> That's so terrible. That'll, that'll come to me. I'm so sorry. But uh, we, they were brought into Pittsburgh for that event. And that was a powerful, powerful thing. I actually sat in the green room with them, with John Lewis. And you sit across from John Lewis. You are sitting across from history. Oh, you know, yeah. That actually hit me while I was talking to him. Like, yeah. I am one person removed from Martin Luther King Jr. right yeah. now. Yeah. Pretty, pretty humbling. Mm-hmm. And he's he's a like being in the presence of somebody like that and listening to him. It it, it is it is powerful stuff. And I it, you know it, I had done a review of March Volume Three for the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, and it was funny. So I had done that before I knew that he was going to be brought to town or they were going to be here. So then I had you know I had questions after having reviewed it and. And then I had him in the room. I was actually able to ask questions of the person whose story was being told in that graphic novel, which is just the craziest, most yeah. heady experience ever. And, you know, and it was, it was just a lovely time. So that was, I think, the high watermark of what the Toonsium was able to accomplish downtown. Uh, and credit where credit's due, you know, this is the handiwork of a lot of people who have made the Toonsium what it is. You know, it's not just one person or a couple, it's a lot. You know, Rob Rogers was the board president from its inception till, uh, till early 2017. And then you had Harold Bayer, who was the vice president. You had, uh, you know, Stu Neft and, I'm, you know, Wayno, local cartoonist, and just so many people. Then there's the support of all the 
artists who've participated in things and you guys who have helped us with, with different things at the Tunesium, yeah. uh, staff yeah. members, Alexa and Julie and, and all past and present people who I'm just going to blank. So thanks to everybody. So a big thing that I'm, I'm trying to do now is just say thanks to everybody who's made the Tunesium what it was and now what it's going to be, because now we're in a, we're in a transitionary phase. Uh, we're, we're moving from downtown, but we haven't found the new place just yet. Ah. And so we're, we're taking, basically we're going to take a year. Now I don't want to even say we're taking a year off because we're not really taking a year off, but we're, we're going to spend a year focused on mobile programming where we're going to partner with other organizations, other locations. We're going to do, you know, semester at sea. There it is. Yeah. There it is. I like that. Take some time off and find yourself. That's it. Oh, we're going to try and find ourselves. All right. We, we, well, and it's, it's, it's actually, I'm really excited about what lays ahead. You know, it's been a lot of work to get over this particular hump of, you know, it's, it's yeah. a lot of work moving out of a, a gallery space you've been in forever. And, and we, we want to relocate in Pittsburgh to basically be a more embedded part of the community. Yeah. Um, you know, we've done a lot of good work, but now the point has come where we're going to seek to broaden our mission. And, you know, there's, I, to be quite blunt about it, those of us on the board now, and it's, it's, it's a smaller board. Like right now there's technically there's five members, uh, soon to be four, but then hopefully we want, we want to expand that again. But we, and I also mentioned my other board members. So there's Disha Filiaw, local writer. And local writer and just presence. Like, to just say, like, local writer is just too, far too small. But, uh, Disha Filia, Yona Harvey, writer, poet, author, professor, uh, force of nature. Uh, and Yona also has worked for Marvel Comics. She was, oh, wow. she worked That's on right. the Black Panther comic. That's so, right. yeah. 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 Uh, there's Brenna Painter, who works, uh, who is, who works for the Pittsburgh Cultural Trust. Uh, and Anthony Letizia, who has been our president for the last year, and he he will be rotating off sometime soon. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention Wayne Wise. Like Wayne Wise, of course, was a member of the board until just recently too. So he's another one of those people who just keeps supporting. I want to you know pay credit where credit's due. I keep hearing that guy's name. He must yeah, be something special because yeah. he won't go away, <laughs> <laughs> or we won't leave him alone. One or the other. I don't know. I get confused. But we're those of us those of us on the board now. Our goal is to, like I said, to expand the mission, to become more embedded in our community, and to expand the role of comics. Like, we have we have some very big goals here. Um, you know, we want, to f- we want to find a space that allows us to be, a, you know, more participatory, I'm going to say, in the community. And we want to expand our audiences. And, frankly, I want to see some people in the Toonzeem who I ha- I've seen, but I haven't seen enough of. So, you know, to be blunt about it, I want to see more black people there. And people of color overall. And, you know, I want to see more women there. We've seen more women. Like, women yeah. are obviously interested in their, in comics. They are, they're part of that audience. So we want them to come out to the Toonsium. You know, we want, we want to see more families coming to the Toonsium because that's what this is intended for. Uh, we want to see, you know, more members of our LGBTQ communities coming to the Toonsium. And all of these, all these groups I've just mentioned have been there. I want to see, we want to see more. And mm-hmm. and the only way that happens is if you have the right kind of programming to make them want to come. So, you know, there's going to be a renewed focus on the programming content that we have to make sure that we have 
that we have what what people want to see and you know what inspires them and also we want to have work that's you know, a part of the community uh the tunesium was a partner with the holocaust center on the first issue of Hutzpah. and we want to like renew that kind of interest and we want to produce more of those kinds of works that you know we're we are paired up with project partners in communities across the region and you know and so so there is a window on them that we can afford and then they can hopefully come to us and uh you know because comics reflect society at their best so we want people to be aware of that you know this is more than just superheroes Mm -hmm. it's more than just funny things it's more than just juvenile far more than juvenile entertainment you know there is a a social component that we really want to see explored down there and you know, we're not not doing anything we did before. We're still celebrating the arts of comics and cartooning. Like nothing, nothing's going away. So we got a lot of stuff planned. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's exciting. Well, yeah, and if you need a, a place to to go, I mean, lovely Beachview. There's a lot of Beachview's got a lot of some, lots of lot of uh, retail space. Uh, I can see sure. this is and like this is impressive out here. And the uh, and, and and the trolley runs right up through here. Oh, that is true. It's well connected to the uh, the rest of town, yeah. so that's a good point. Just something, you know, something to keep in mind. <laughs> you never know. I mean, I would love to see at some point. <laughs> it wouldn't be amazing to see the Tunesium just like with with other, I want to say branches or you know or or you know other galleries, you know, mm-hmm. like partner not partner guys, but just like like branch galleries in different areas. That's kind of what I was thinking as you were. Ex- actually describing that mm-hmm. i was like because i live all the way out in robinson sure and i'm like well that would be nice if there was something right there too, <laughs> you, know, sure. so, you know everyone should come to my neck of the woods you know everybody wants that you know or, but or, it, or if there was a, a tunesium corner and in, in local libraries or something you know, you know? oh yeah we, we may have to invite hey, you guys uh, on the board or something. <laughs> Bring in the brainstormers. That's right. We got we got all kinds of good ideas. That's just right. give them headphones and that's, microphones and right. think. Yeah. Why not? That's, that's no, me and Scott. We're just the brainstormers. <laughs> <laughs> Bring them in. There's our new book too. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I like that. That's right. Yeah. That could be our one of our earlier publications at the tunes in the brainstormers. <laughs> and then it cuts to me and Scott doing this '80s action montage where we're like working out and getting ready. Tie a bandana around That's our right. heads, sharpening pencils, you know, <laughs> getting ready. Yeah, well, you have to do those weird cuts too. You know, yeah. so. Oh boy, ink wells full. Yeah, all right. You can tell you're old school. Sharpening pencils and ink wells, like that's old school. Well, you know, you that's have good to, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. You can't really. Well, I guess you can dust off the, uh, you know, the Wacom tablet nowadays. I don't know. I use yeah. I use typically mechanical paper. pencils when I draw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because you don't have to sharpen them. Nope. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. what I do too. I have the little. I like the ones they have the little spin. They spin the mm. lead out. Yeah. So I just twist it a little mm. bit and I keep going. Have you have you bought? Boy, that's totally digress. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> this is stuff. Do you have you used? There's the Pentel pens that twist and extend the eraser. No. Oh yeah. Those I've, are the, I've got a couple of those. What? Those are the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. No more of this yeah. nonsense of like tiny little eraser and you're trying to nope twist eraser from just like with oh, your wow. lead. Get with okay. the program, old man. Wow. Yeah. Well, I never make mistakes, so I don't <laughs> ever have to erase anything. Oh, I thought you were gonna say, well, I. Use- <laughs> 
This guy's like, I use, I use my no. old my old trusty pink pearl eraser. Are you kidding me? I probably erase more than I draw. So. Can I tell you, my dad messed me up when I was when I was first learning. Well, he didn't really, but he, I remember him giving me advice when I was a kid, and he goes, "You know, real artists, you you don't have to erase. They don't erase that much." And I think I knew pretty early on that he was just kind of saying some stuff because, like you, you just said it. I tend to erase more than I actually yeah. draw. Right, because you're sketching in lines and you have to erase everything that doesn't belong. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. Unless you know, I've 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 watched some artists at shows though that like the pro, the pros that uh, they're they're like a computer where they can draw uh-huh. without ever lifting the pencil. Right, and it's an image. You know, they're done. And I'm like, how did they? But you know, for for us, you know, like I don't always have that vision solid in my head. Sure. So, and that's I think part of that artistic interpretation where you have your emotional, emotionally, you need to get it down on the paper the way you right. feel it. And not always necessarily, um, you know, legitimate, accurate. You know, and that's that artistic interpretation that comes out, but. Um, so yeah, you're gonna erase because it's like, well, that's not the right feeling for that. <laughs> that arm should be up a little higher, you know? Like why? I don't know why, but it has to be, you know. Mm-hmm. So then you erase it. So, when, whenever I fun. teach, because I always, I, I, I've been an arts educator. I still teach workshops and classes and all ages. I just did this great art adult adult comics workshop a couple couple weeks ago. Went over great. My boss was there. And and she loved it. She's been drawing every day since then. This is awesome. Nice. But I always I always tell people like I my first thing that I'm teaching people I do this thing where I teach people how to draw a bubble figure, which is essentially like the little wooden mannequins. Oh yeah. The the goal though is to teach people how to sketch. I always tell them yeah. what what you're learn what I'm teaching you to do is how to sketch and how to get that idea out of your head and onto the paper right. as fast as you can. Because right. the faster you do it, then you've got something that you can see, and it makes it more tangible. To it, it, it stops being impossible when right. you just go. Right. And then you can refine it and make it better. Like you said, you know, you were, that's when you can start erasing and finessing it to something specific. But And I always tell them when I do it, like, look, you, when I'm sitting at my drawing table at home, I don't follow all these steps because I've done this so much. I can kind of pre-visualize a right. lot of it. Right. But – you gotta learn. You gotta learn how to sketch. Like you just gotta learn how to pull that out of your head fast. Doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to be something there. Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. totally agree. Because I think a lot of people when they start to draw some and they're looking at reference, they just immediately start drawing mm-hmm. literally what they're seeing, and they don't know how to, um, you know, like uh, trying to, like how, to cap- how to break it down, how to break it down, how to make it fit on that page, mm-hmm. like maybe. Like we have our lovely uh, cardboard model, model cut out over here, but like if I, <laughs> but you know, like if you're trying to draw an entire figure onto a piece of paper and you start drawing the head, and you don't draw the rest of it, you may run out of room at the bottom. Like you don't know, uh-huh. and like and that's a lot of people when they start, they don't think about no, not that at all. or trying to make it. You know, is the figure going to fit? Is it going to be a shoulder shot? You know, like when I first start, I always start with the exact same thing, and I've done it so many times. Like I always know what I'm going to see, and so I always step people through this bubble person, and I do it two times. And the first time I do it, and I explain what it's going to be, but I talk them through it, top to bottom, head to feet, and as I'm going around, then I go, okay, look at your person and see what you did, 
And here, and usually you'll see things like with proportions that are off because you're right. Like people have never, when people see a figure or think of drawing yeah. a figure, they're thinking of it in whole. They're not thinking about those parts. So then when we do it the second time, more often than not, like the people who are going to improve do a much better job on the second figure because yeah. now they're already they start to get it. Yeah. They start to see, oh, okay. So if I draw this, if I, if I, I have to draw the head like this size. So yeah. I have room for the torso and the legs and so on. Yeah. So it's it's a process, but it's <laughs> it's meant to be. That's one of those. When I was, I forget what how old I was, maybe in high school or whatever. But when we were taking our drawing class, you know, an art class, um, the biggest revelation for me was realizing that the eyes are in the center of the head, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that that you have as much above your eyes as you do below your eyes, right? And I swear I walked around the high school looking at people's foreheads for days. <laughs> I was like, oh, like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. That probably wasn't weird at all. I never know, you know, you know, because you always look at their face and you don't look at the forehead. Mm-hmm. And then you realize like, oh my goodness, the hairline always goes in that, that same spot. Right. Like, and, and like you just wake up to it and it's like, what? And then you mentioned it's, it's awesome though. Kevin McGuire got mentioned before. And, and you know, Kevin McGuire. I like artists who are also very adept at the individual, you know, like like with the traits that make artists that make excuse me their characters very specific, mm-hmm. and you know, so like I, I Kevin McGuire was a good one, you know, George Perez obviously, yeah. like that's kind of his thing. Um, Alex Ross obviously he's on a whole other level, but yeah. there's like because there are other great artists who essentially are drawing the same face over and over, yeah. and I'm not going to name names, not. Mostly just because I don't want that to even come across like I'm critiquing their ability. There's some fantastic artists, but there's a certain sameness to the way yeah. that they render mm-hmm. faces and physiques and things. I, 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 on the whole, gravitate towards artists who are very good with the individual and the specific. Right. Um, and that takes work, you know. Like you do have to kind of master a certain base figure and certain yeah. base way of drawing faces and so on before you can break out and draw individuals. You to, yeah, you have to understand that 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 standard look mm-hmm. and then you start doing that caricature kind of thing where you're right. You're like, oh well this guy's this guy over here, his chin's bigger than right. you know, or whatever. Well, you know? They always say you, you have to you have to learn the rules before you break them. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Can I tell you one of the nicest compliments I got today it was that group of students who were who had given us uh, their feedback on Hutzpow, and it was about volume three, and it was about that those two spreads because they actually they and you know without knowing who and what I am, they were just commenting and they yeah. said how they loved how in those spreads you could the people looked so individual, yeah, and they mm-hmm. said they were familiar with like the real life some of those people in real life, and yeah. they said how much it looked like them. That made the me so. Proud, yes, oh, the yeah. likeness. That made me so happy because with this project in particular, that is, in my mind, that is all important. Like yeah. accuracy and fidelity. Like yeah. that. That's also something that we focus on a lot with with Hood's Powers. It's just fidelity, getting it right. Because you know a lot of the the things that we're drawing, people, places, uh, the things in the in that world. I mean, these stories are taking place what seventy plus years ago. We don't have references for. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. so you know we have. That's why we kind of need comic book artists telling these stories because uh, one of the upstanders even put it before. You know, you didn't have people with cameras everywhere there, yeah. so it takes the imagination of an artist to kind of fill that in and 
and bring it to life. And there have been pages I've been handed from some of these artists on this book where, and I know what they were doing, like did what it took to create it. But I just thought if I didn't know any better, I'd swear that you just like look through your magic mirror at what was going on back then and just recreated yeah. it. You know, <laughs> they're that good. So yeah, it's, all you know, I'm also very blessed with all these things that I care about in my life. So there's Hutzpah and there's the Tunesium and and other works and things I'm involved in. Like they all sort of overlap and fold in on one another. Mm-hmm. Like so it, it it just it just I'm I'm as you can tell, I like comics a little bit. <laughs> and I kind of want everybody to see their potential. Mm-hmm. Uh the potential of comics. And you know, if if I come across a person who's not interested or hasn't really discovered that yet i that to me is a challenge that's a challenge i want to take up i want to get you involved in comics and i want you to discover that book that you'll love and not just that book that's you know maybe based on some media you've come across maybe you've discovered walking dead or or you know would take your pick you know black panther of course is out right yeah. now and that's great because that that does bring people in black panther I, it seems like has really brought a number of people yeah into comics or at least gotten them curious about yeah, comics sure. that otherwise were, you know, but you know, now let's find something that will, will hopefully get you to stick around. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the big chance. That's what I want to see the Toonsium doing more of. Now, so not just bringing people in to experience, you know, an exhibit or an artist or whatever, but bringing them in and making it stick. So yeah. now, okay, let's get you reading comics. Let's build up that audience yeah, right. or making comics, you know, for that matter. Let's let's get you in, involved and invested enough that you want to produce yeah. some work, you know, and shoring up that, uh, the profession here locally. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and then who knows, maybe nationally, I don't know. I, sky's the limit. Yeah, it's true. So can you, can you talk about like upcoming, like what is upcoming for the Toonsium? We um, are going to, sure. I mean, do you have a, or is it still like we're not going to say? No, I know you have appearances coming up. We have, so. uh, we have, and I, I'm so sorry to be blank on. I should have had it just written down in front of me. <laughs> but we have, we have a Black Panther uh, event coming up in, I believe, in May. We're going to have one of the writers coming to town to talk about about the work. Oh, um, cool. So I that that's, that's awesome. going to be on. Yeah, that may yeah. already be on our website. So okay. you want to, you know, tunesium dot org, and okay. that's that, that's we're a good gonna, way to. Our, our website's going to be a lot more um, pronounced in, in in regards to what we're doing to okay. keep people involved. So our, our website, our Facebook page, of course, our social, our overall social media presence is yeah. going to be, you know, we're going to kind of turn up the signal on that because we want to keep people involved and invested. Um, we're in the planning stages. With, like there are certain things we have tentatively planned. There are, you know, we're, we're still laying the groundwork. Tomorrow I have a meeting for... Another comic book project. I don't want to throw it out there in the world yeah, just sure. yet. Yeah, but it's it's. I'm going to say it's similar to the Hutzpah model in that it's an anthology comic that we're working with a promotional, not just a we're working with a partner agency to produce it. It's going to be an anthology utilizing local talent, and it's so it's in that mode. And we will be talking talking about that soon. But so that's something that's in the pipeline, and hopefully even more projects like that. We've had some people approaching us about that. Um, we have, you know, we have other things that we, we will more than likely be at Steel City Con. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or three, excuse me, three rivers con, three rivers con. We'll most likely be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to have some pop-up exhibits. We're going to have some work. We're, a lot of the work that we're doing is going to be behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the idea is to stay, stay involved and stay out there where, where our, our supporters can come and they can still experience comics. We're going to try and still have some comics workshops. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's there's definitely going to be things where the Toonsium's presence will still be out there. They, we're not going to be downtown like we were, but we may end up downtown with a part, you know, partner organization mm-hmm. or a, or agency or whatever. Um, we will, you know, we will be around Pittsburgh in ways and we might be a little easier for this next year for people to find because that's true. Well, I mean, it is like we because we have one of these cities where it's not necessarily convenient to just go downtown. Like sometimes. The traffic is just impossible. So, right. like, to have the Toonsium appear in different parts of the city, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, that way, you know, you're touching on people that would never right. venture into town, which is a nice, a nice idea too. You know, just to, yeah. just to reach. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, you know, because I, like I say, Dan's from one side of town. I'm from the other side of town. Right. And then we know, like, um, uh, the coffee shop. Coffee Buddha. Oh right. And his, you know, he his They're love for comics, mm-hmm. and he's in North Hills, you know, and it's right. like it's these things that could all, you know, and and you're from another part of town, you know what I mean? Like, right. And if we can touch them all mm-hmm. at at any given time, I think that that's a benefit for for everyone. So absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But, uh, yeah, the Tunesium at its best, I think, has been a hub of our comics community regionally. And it can, it, I think it can be even more, you know, like it can continue to be that hub, be an even more expansive hub, you know, reach more people. Like I said, I, I want to see the Toonsium helping to build comics readership, like actively re- getting more readers involved and actively building up comics creators. You know, I, so I taught comics workshops and classes at the Pittsburgh Center for the Arts. Very, very active, like continuously from 93 to 99. And then I've still taught other classes and workshops elsewhere, including the Toonsium. And matter of fact, so the last exhibit we just had at the Toonsium was a Wonder Woman exhibit, yeah. Wonder Woman Visions. And that featured work from the character's 75-plus year publication history plus uh, original artwork that was created specifically for the exhibit by local artists. Uh, like, I forget, 12, 13 local female artists. And it was it was it was a lovely show. It was a lovely way to close out that space. Um, we we partnered with two agencies uh, for it promotionally with that uh, the Women and Girls Foundation and the Girl Scouts of Western Pennsylvania. Oh, cool! And it was it was so great. Like they were both so wonderful to partner with. And we had a great artist talk back session with three excuse me four of our artists from the show, and that was that was. Uh, done in conjunction with the women and girls foundation and it was just a, a wonderfully informative session the those artists were really gracious with their time and their experiences with us and then we also had a series of workshops specifically for girl scouts now i don't know if you all are aware of this girl scouts actually have a badge in comics art now. oh wow and we've That's they've awesome. been I've, I've heard that yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> and they've been coming to the tunesium for a little while now for that so we actually put some dates specifically on our calendar for them and I can tell you in the last couple, last few years, I've taught far more girls about comics than, than, than boys. 
And it's just, it's an amazing thing to see that and see them take to it and have the same kind of zest, zeal for this art form that, you know, we still, I think we have these old standards that we live by. You know, we, we tend to think this is for boys and it's not, it's for everybody. Yeah. So, you know, again, that's expanding that audience and being receptive to the audience. Cause it's not just like us pushing comics out in the world. There's people that have all like black folks have always read comics. That's not something new, but you have to make the space for them to also feel welcome. So it's not always, you know, these other audiences having to see themselves in the media like let's let's give you the space where you are represented so yeah. you know which you know that's why i think black panther has been as as i know that's one of the reasons it's been as amazing as it's been because you know here you are you have the space you have the floor yeah um it, when it debuted last month wayne and i were invited to a special preview performance uh preview showing like two days before it opened and we were each allowed to give a short presentation to the audience. So this was done uh, in conjunction with Duquesne University in Chatham. And so Wayne went first and he gave a, an abbreviated history of black characters in comics. And it was more, it was an academic oriented yeah. talk. And then I gave a more, I guess, more personal retrospective and, and thoughts on this. And they actually bumped the trailer so we could talk. So, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So we're, you know, we're going, we're plowing through it. And I got to tell you, so I, I actually stopped in the middle of my, my, uh, my presentation and said to the audience, cause they kind of took me to church. Like I, I realized like I got up there and I'm talking and it got more and more. I got really impassioned and I laughed. I said, figures it would be comics that would make me give my first sermon. <laughs> but I said to them, you know, I wish you could see what you look like from where I'm standing up here on the stage because this is what I want most of my movie audiences to look like, you know, because there was everybody in that audience. There was obviously a lot of people of color, but there was white people there. There was older people there. There was younger people there, a lot of students. There was mm-hmm. boys and girls and men and women. Like that was – to me, that's I, – I said to them, one of the greatest accomplishments of Black Panther, the movie – is, you know, when I was eight years old, I told them this story, and you can cut me off anytime because I'll go on forever, but <laughs> when I was eight years old, you know, I was already, I had been a Superman fan for three plus years, and it was when I was eight that the first Christopher Reeve Superman movie came out, and I was the perfect age to have experienced that movie. You know, that was, that movie was magic, yeah. you know, and I was old enough to know that's not real, but it didn't matter because it was real in all the ways yeah. it needed to be. Like it took this thing that I loved, this character and this medium, this art form, and it gave it a tangibility that it didn't have. I said, the best thing about Black Panther now is, I said, this weekend, there are children all around the globe that are going to have this eight-year-olds that are going to have the exact same experience that I had. 40 years ago, boys and girls of all colors, which right, you know, right there, that's amazing. And this changes the game, you know, like this, this, it sets a new standard for them. It's like having, well, you know, it's to me, it's the equivalent of what having Obama for president was for young people. You know, this is, you can now see, it's one thing to be told anybody can be president. Yeah. It's a whole other thing to actually see that manifested. In front of you. So like with the, these movies, you know, it's one thing to, to theoretically know, oh, well, it could be anybody, but there's a whole other thing to mm-hmm. see it happen. And, you know, just to tie it all back together, 
that's part of what I want to see and what we want to see happen at the Toon Z. And we want to see that manifested for everybody. Like, hey, guess what? <laughs> we can't, we're not just going to say comics are for everyone. Let's show you that comics yeah. really are for and about everyone. Yeah. So make it a participatory experience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I get it. I, I will talk to awesome. mom because right. I am all no, about that awesome. stuff. Well, we can, uh, we can have a little, uh, have a little fun. Not that, <laughs> I'm sorry, not that listening to you hasn't been amazing and fun, but, <laughs> but, uh, got some, get some rapid fire topics. Oh, we're going to do it. Oh, okay. First one's going to be pretty crazy. You guys, oops, hold on. Remember Nightwatch? Barely. You know what? I don't, I, yeah, same. Barely. Okay. <laughs> Nightwatch was a, 90s uh that looks I look so at it 90s. and I want it yeah. to be it, uh, it looks like Malibu comics like yeah. is that what it's from or is it just No it was because I know Marvel bought Nightwatch, Malibu Nightwatch first appeared in like Web of Spider-Man in the 90s oh. and graduated to his own book for like oh. a dozen issues if that Okay that doesn't even sound like a character name it sounds like a group name <laughs> Yeah The Nightwatch so, Yeah Nightwatch is reported to be in development for a movie what? with director Spike Lee. What? You're no, you're messing with I'm me. I'm not. And screenwriter uh, Luke Cage, showrunner uh, Chio Hodari. I'm sorry, Chio Hodari Coker. You know what? Oh, that's cool. Luke Cage showrunner. They're, they're going to be the screenwriter. Can I tell you what's extra fun? Oh man, I almost feel like I called this into existence. Just. Yesterday, yesterday, I commented on somebody's on a post on Facebook because I can't keep my mouth shut. But <laughs> oh, there was I came across that rare individual who had something like really negative to say about the Black Panther movie, and he was going on about and he starts off with you know well he just had issues with superhero movies across the board. This isn't exactly rapid fire, but I'll do it fast. So he he got on this thing about how superhero movies were just juvenile entertainment from america's dream factory blah 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 and how do you put and you know spike lee movies at least keep it real so i had to chime in it's oh, like boy. first of all <laughs> no they do not all of hollywood is is an illusion <laughs> all every movie that's ever been produced but the, i closed it out by saying you know what to make you happy i hope that spike lee makes a superhero <laughs> movie and then the next day <laughs> you tell me this well uh, so it's it's if it comes to pass, it's going to be tangentially part of the extended Spider-Man verse. Oh, uh, okay. Like Venom and oh, Black Cat, whatever. So is it a Sony? Yes. Okay, because, Sony's Because technically, this. Nightwatch showed up in a Spider-Man book. Yeah. So it would be it would be folded in under the, uh, the Spider-Man okay. cinematic universe. Or that huh. extended, whatever weirdness you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. So, okay, I just want to get you Wow. I, I, I never <laughs> the read... The 90s are back. I never read Nightwatch, <laughs> but I always remember that cover because it reminded me of a cross between, like, Spawn and... Shadowhawk. And, well, yep. well, I was going to say, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> the, the bat armor, the... the yeah, John, Nightfall. Yeah. Um, Azrael. Oh. Azrael. Azrael's okay. bat armor. Yeah. 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 So... Yeah, totally. Um, Okay. Action Comics 1000 gets a midnight release. Yeah. You guys going to be there? 
or is everyone too old for that? I'm going to no, but they're, I'm going to have, I'm having that pulled. Have you read, there's a five page preview from that. Have you read that? I know. Look, it's on, I think DC comics. There's a five page story that's in action comics 1000. Oh, and it's called the, the title of the story is of tomorrow. And I, you know, clickbait. I'm on. Yeah, this is last week. I'm just tooling around online, and five page story from, and it's t- emotionally devastating. I'm like, come on, it's five pages. Come on, come on with the hyper hyperbole. And I read it, and it's five pages, and it's emotionally dev. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's 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 just lovely. I don't even want to spoil anything, but in five pages, it's one of the best Superman stories I've ever read. Okay, all right, I have to look for that. Uh, so the uh, it, it's going to be released on uh, April 18th. When, is when, that is when, that like a Wednesday though? Or is yeah. it like a midnight? Well, yeah, it's like Tuesday I mean, night, right? At, yeah, yeah. It says the uh, yeah participate in a midnight release of April 18th Action Comics 1000. I don't know. I you know I might I might go because I have <laughs> gone to some midnight releases, but I've but other times couple like um well I think Colin That's, at Pittsburgh Comics is really the only one locally. he kills it. You know I I went to the the last one was the um, uh, the Watchmen one the. Um, mm. Yeah, the Doomsday Clock. Doomsday Clock. Hmm. And then so he before that he, he I did think one he opens for, it like eleven. Yeah. And you know he usually buys like cookies or a cake or something, and people mill around, and then he'll start yeah, selling the books. I never get out there for the treats. Uh, I always. I oh, always that's when you get them. Yeah. Well, I know you. you know, I swoop in and I grab all the cookies and I run out. Yeah. Cake, cake Lactus. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dude, or what, is that what it was? Or it was Duke, Duke, Duke Lactus or yeah. Cake Lactus? I forgot. Yeah. Right. I, I photoshopped this picture of him, of the, this Galactus helmet on top of him when we went to. It, it was, was Jeff. It was, or, uh, it was, uh, it was uh, the old time tunnel. It was the, well, the time tunnel. The new time tunnel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. shops. He had a midnight release for the Marvel's project. Was that a midnight release? Yeah. That, remember that? Remember the Ed Brubaker? Yeah. The Marvel's project. Huh. Steve McNiven. That's what it was. What? I know. I don't, I don't even remember. Pulling these. Yeah. Just pulling it out. Well, of, we out did of a head. podcast there, didn't we? We, we did. recorded in his store that yeah, one we time. Did. That was, yeah. yeah. If there's was, if there's uh, a place that's local, like I I could maybe see myself doing that, but at the same time, you know, I, I just telling somebody how when Michael Jackson came to town with the with for, like when the tickets for his bad concert went on sale, and I am an uber Michael Jackson fan. I didn't wait in line over. I was like, no. I refused. Yeah. And I went the next morning with my sister and we got in line. There was people that had been there all night and we just bought and we got tickets. So it's like, do I really have, I, I don't, I'm not compelled by that whole have to be there. And, yeah. Here's, but we'll see for me, it's all about the coolness of being at a comic book store. At sure. Yeah. That's just like, it's the middle of the night, and I'm buying comic books. It's, and right, I'm, and I'm I'm in my element. I'm with my people. Right, I'm buying comic books. I'm with every like everyone who's that, um, you know, passionate about being a comic book collector. I, I still do that. I'll tell you when, like when I first moved to Pittsburgh, and it was like in the mid '90s, and you know, like I go to my first Pittsburgh Comic Con, which wasn't the first one, but I had gone, and everybody's wearing flannel. You know, like flannel shirts because it was the 90s, you know, grunge. <laughs> and I'm just like, my people. You know, like I was like – and I feel – I still feel like that. Like a, events like that, when people come out of the woodwork for – because of that mm-hmm. that love of comics, mm-hmm. I'm like, my people. You know, like we're – you know, like you go 
it's almost like you're just going out there to be like, mm-hmm. you know, this is real. It's all real for all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is awesome. I remember, and I'll do it for that reason. But sometimes I'm just like, I got to go to work tomorrow. Too. Yeah, oh, there's that. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely getting harder. Yeah, uh, but I remember when. Uh, oh, geez, how, was it? When did the new Fifty Two come out? Was, was that seven, eight? Uh, that's been it's more been than like seven, eight years ago. Five, yeah, when uh, yeah. like eight, nine, almost maybe. It's been a while. I want to uh, say Phantom. Yeah, maybe seven or eight years. Yeah, yeah. Phantom of the Attic in Oakland had a midnight party. That's right. Yeah, I was down there for that too. That was a blast. There was like people waiting outside. It was fun. Yeah. So, anyways, so Action Comics one thousand. That's going to be the the, the, right. the next midnight release. Okay. Uh, we'll keep it going since time is running short. Steve Ditko reuniting with the Blue Beetle. What? I actually what? didn't hear about this. It's he's doing a Kickstarter. What? I know. How? I, I don't understand how? any of this. Why? What? We'll see. No. But this is just. This how is do you a, wait? Yes, please explain. Yeah, I wish I could. It's just it's just, it's an article I found on on Newsarama, uh, which I find to be significantly like a, a slight step above like. CBR, CBR yeah. is just kind of like clickbait garbage. Yeah. At this point, <laughs> um, I'll, I'll read the. It's it's a it's a short piece here. Steve Ditko reuniting with Blue Beetle and the Hero. I guess it's another character. I don't know. Okay. In his latest anthology with Robin Snyder, now on Kickstarter, the Hero colon Blue Beetle by Snyder and Ditko is the duo's nineteenth Kickstarter campaign. And Snyder relays that the book is in question. Uh, I'm sorry. Snyder relays that the book in question is already written and drawn. So I don't know if we're talking about the like the Golden Age Blue Beetle, or like the current. Like, it can't be the current because that would be a DC it's a, character, it's a DC right? Property. That's what so, I'm now it is. Right. So is it going to be like there's there's no there's no no art or anything that goes along with this article, um, but yeah, I don't. I mean. Steve Ditko, he's one of those guys. I forget he's still around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, talk about it like a living legend. Yeah, but who's? I mean, no one will ever get close to him. I mean, he's he's certainly. I mean, he he's still producing comics, but on his own terms. Yeah, and seemingly wants nothing to do with anything as far as you know, like any of the comic book companies or yeah. anything like that. But he's still putting out comics, so he still loves making comics, but just. On his own terms. That's cool. And he's going back to a character that he famously did. Huh. Oh, that's so. awesome. I'm I'm curious to see what that's going to be. That's fascinating. Yeah. And how many people can you say in comics, like in the creators are truly like fascinating and unpredictable? Like, what is, what is that? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it says, uh, Ditko worked on the Blue Beetle back in the late 1960s when the character was owned by Charlton. Ah. Uh, it has already surpassed its $4,100 fundraising goal. Is that all that he was asking for? I guess, yeah, that does. that's like, these days, that's not really anything on Kickstarter. Well, for, um, yeah, I, I mean, with a, a known talent. I, yeah, it's I like am that, not understanding this The plan this is all. to release the book in June 2018. Nice. I am not understanding this like, one bit. Doesn't it feel like a fever dream? Yeah. Like, like is is this like uh is this fanfic that DC's just gonna go just let him do it? <laughs> I I don't know. Huh. Yeah, I, it's it's got to be the the Dan Garrett 
Blue Beetle before, like the one before Ted Cord. Yeah. Because um, I don't think. Yeah. I, I don't think DC really owns. Well, I'll see. I think Dan Garrett showed up in the 1980s. The 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 Blue Beetle series. I don't remember. It's yeah. been so long since I've yeah. read that. I, I I have the showcase at home, but it's been so long since I've read it. I'll have to look it up. Anyways, so that's something interesting. And uh, last thing I have, Netflix options Rob Liefeld's Extreme Library for a multi-film franchise. Yes. You like the I sound don't... of that? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know what, though? Like, like Rob, Rob's one of those guys, like, he's... He seems out seems outrageous, but I just I love that he goes. He's still he making goes comics. For it. Yeah, he always he's he's he unapologetic for his yes. his passion. For I totally admire that. Mm-hmm. I can't say I've been a fan of the work, and that's not even meant as a dig. It's just you like who you like and whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's in it. I mean, now he's he's been making comics for decades, and he's still making it, and he's still got fans. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't begrudge anybody I for admire- that. Something I, I I got a better understanding of his his angle for you know his style was that he was heavily influenced by the manga mm-hmm. you know thing and um that just that whole idea he wanted everything to be outrageous he wants he wants his proportions to be sure. crazy um and I was like you know um, what knowing that they the, are yeah I you know like you would think that like looking at his work, like, like without that knowledge, you kind of think like, "What's this guy trying to prove?" You know, mm-hmm. like I don't really get it. But then, like, you understand his thought process then, and it's like, "All right, you know, he's he's trying to, you know, break new ground, maybe bring in, you know, bring in readers from, you know, an anime sure. you know, fandom or whatever they, you know, maybe that appeals to them maybe. more than like to us where we were." You know, we're more towards uh, like a traditional American comics. So, uh-huh. but um, I think his work is actually better now. Uh, like when he takes the time to work on a piece, mm-hmm. it looks better than like when he sure. You know when you know he had that that era where everything looked hacked, mm-hmm. hackish, and um, but I think he's I think he pays more attention now. And maybe like when he first started out, when everybody's like, "He's the new Todd McFarlane," right? You know, and everybody called him, you know, Little Todd or whatever right. they call Todd Junior or whatever. And uh, you know, maybe he's, you know, now that he's like in a good position too, he's like, "Well, hey, maybe now he's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go for it. Put a hundred, hundred ten percent into it. That kind of thing." Did either of you guys uh, see that that Robert Kirkman series about comics? Like- I didn't get to watch it. There was an episode where they focused specifically on image comics, and it the whole series is fascinating. Like yeah. if you get the chance to see it, but yeah. that one was really funny because they interviewed all the key players. They interviewed cool. Lee Field and and Lee and uh, and McFarland, and hearing the story stitched together from multiple points of view was hilarious. And I got to tell you, Lee Field does the funniest impression of of, of McFarland. You just you just have to hear it done. Like it was so funny because he would say he would remember something that McFarlane said back in the day, and he would do it in his voice, and then you cut to McFarlane, and McFarlane would say, and it's like, oh, that's hilarious. So like it's like listening to somebody mimic a friend. Um, but you know, I know people who have never been enamored of. 
Kirby's artwork. And to me, yeah, it's, right. it's like, it's kind of the same thing. Again, yeah. I was never all that into. That's like, right. That's, but whatever. I know? think that's his other influence. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think that's Lifefield was, mm-hmm. he's like, he was more about the energy instead of the accuracy. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so he, you know, you mix that with that anime style and yeah, there you go. Can I tell you my one, I'll make this super fast. I have one Liefeld story. I was at, uh, San Diego Comic Con 2009, and I was at a table, and at this at this table, he was sharing he was sharing space with Art Adams. And I was like, "Oh, Art Adams is right here. Maybe I can get a picture with Art." And Adams had like it, the, the, Wayne was there; he was going to take the picture for me. <laughs> Adams had like turned away in just that one moment, and Liefeld was sitting closer <laughs> to me, and he heard that part. Maybe I can get a picture with him, and he leans in. He goes, "Oh, do you want a picture?" And he leans in, and. I, I didn't want to be an ass and go, no, I don't want a picture with you. I want a picture with So I got a picture with him, you know. Like, <laughs> so I have a picture with That's him great. that That's was awesome. for that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so the the interesting thing about uh, this or the, uh, this is the, the properties that they're looking at are not his his bigger ones. Like I guess Youngblood, Prophet, and Evangeline are all in development elsewhere. Oh yeah. Way. So this is Netflix specifically. Okay. Right? Oh. So what they're looking at to develop are Brigade, uh-huh. Blood Strike, uh, Cybrid, which sounds vaguely familiar. Cybrid. It's spelled C Y B R I D. Yeah. Rejects. R E hyphen G E X. Yeah. Uh, Blood Wolf. Oh yeah, Blood Wolf. <laughs> which was like kind of like the 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 Lobo. Blood Wolf was when the names, when you could just hook up one word with another yeah. at that mm-hmm. point, and you had something. And Kaboom, which I, th- I think was like more of like a kind of a kid, like a, uh, yeah. The main character was like a, a kid or something. It was like more of a kid's adventure yeah. type of thing. So that's what they're looking at developing. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. So uh, good for him. I mean, he's still, you know, he's still making it happen with all his stuff. I mean, that's, I mean, in, in really, he, I mean, this is probably the perfect place for him. Like he, he really doesn't have to produce anything new. Yeah. Like he's he's th- at this point in his career, he's able to parlay his creations into like a like the second phase or third phase of his career. You yeah. Know? Like like the different media. Yeah. So. I, I I love it. It'll because, be interesting, and it's Netflix, you know. And Netflix, will, Netflix is like, well, we'll be, do it. They'll, we'll, yeah. you know, they're another to, one. Yeah, like like Netflix and Hulu, like they can they can kick it up a notch. Yeah, they can like um, you know as far as like the violence and language and the you know semi you know showing a little bit of skin here and yeah. there, but yeah, excellent. So that's kind of my my, my rapid fire topics. <laughs> that's oh. awesome. <laughs> what better way to end it? Yeah, what? a little bit of Leafield. <laughs> so um, okay, well I guess we can start wrapping up. Um, anybody got anything? Any last minute things to to plug or promote or uh, new? No, no, currently. I just want just folks come out to come out to the Holocaust Center. And come out to the uh, the JCC in Squirrel Hill. Come see the whole, the Hoods Pal exhibits, 
and look for that everywhere because Hutzpah, we're just going to keep promoting and pushing that out there and 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 visit the Tunesium's website, Tunesium, T-O-O-N-S-E-U-M dot org. And we're going to be, we'll be updating that with our, our forthcoming programming this year. Like I said, we're going to spend a, about a year or so with mobile programming and, and, uh, and help us as we, you know, we work towards reemergence in in a new facility, one that hopefully will be closer to you somewhere. Ooh, we'll see. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Like and just thanks to everybody who's been supportive of, you know, comics in the region, whether you're a creator or you're a, or a, or a reader or just a, just a champion of that. You know, you're all part of this comics ecosystem and, the art, the larger arts ecosystem of Pittsburgh, you know, we're all part of that. So, you know, you know, go team, go. We're all in this together. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you, you guys for having me on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you ever here. need to, uh, you know, promote any of the upcoming projects, then yeah, please come back. Absolutely. You know, so you're always welcome here. Be, be careful. <laughs> like, oh, Marcel's coming by. He's not even. Yeah, he's here. <laughs> he's on all the other on all the other podcasts for uh, Sorgatron. <laughs> right. right. he's, he's here again. Yeah, we um, know Marcel Hutzpal. We get it. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Actually, uh, speaking of podcasts, I don't I don't do this very often because I kind of honestly I forget. But I'm going to promote um, another podcast that I do with my wife. It's called the Pilot Season Podcast, and it's at Pilot Season. I don't even know what the <laughs> site is. Um, my wife, Jen, and I, we uh, watched just the first episode of a television show, just the pilot, and we talk about it. So it's fun. It's goofy. You're, and you're on Facebook as well. Right, that's where I sit. That's where I get my news from. So Do you, do you just do, like, current shows? No, we do. Um, they go. They run the, the gamut. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like the, the the past few shows have been more current. Like we did um, The Handmaid's Tale and on Hulu and Everything Sucks from Netflix. Uh, but we've um, we've done like we've hit the '80s hard. We did like The Fall Guy and huh. Airwolf. Um, we hit the '90s with uh, Charmed and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. That's great. So we, we we try to watch things that we've never watched before. Oh, that was my next yeah. question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we're always looking for guests to come on the show. So you guys also have a, mm. you know, we, we would allow, we, we'd like to have the, the guest pick a show that we, we watch and talk about. So I have to watch a show that's actually about a pilot because I'm all about going meta. <laughs> there you go. Well, like I said, we already, we already did Airwolf, so you have to find another one. Yeah. Mm. So you have think. to think about that one. But, uh, yeah, you can find us. And we're on, um, you know, like you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just search for Pilot Season Podcast. And we're on iTunes and uh, Google Play. So we've only done about uh, 25 <laughs> episodes. Only. But, only. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like. 200 times the number of episodes that I've actually done of it. You know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, you tie a bow on this one. Uh, as always, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, just look for Comic Book Pit. And we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Again, just search for at Comic Book Pit. And Pit is with 
two T's. You can find us at comicbookpit.com. And uh, you can also find us at sorgatronmedia.com. That's uh, where we're hosted. And uh, that's uh, who also hosts us physically here in their awesome studio in lovely Beachview, Pennsylvania. Woo. So thank you to Sorgatron Media for uh, for hosting us and helping us with our with our tech. And um, and you can also email us at comicbookpit at gmail.com with any questions, suggestions, or comments. And I think that's it. I think that's all I got to say. Yeah. I'm all, all, all talked out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll throw out a couple announcements sure. to um, come and see us at uh, Free Comic Book Day. That's right. Is it? Is it me? It's the first. It's the first Saturday. First in Saturday May. in May, and we'll be at the Century Three New Dimension Comic Store. Right. Yeah, we do our annual uh, live recording. Yep. We'll be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for sure you'll be at Three Rivers Comic Con. That is correct. This summer or this uh, coming mm-hmm. up soon. Yeah, May nineteenth and twentieth at Three Rivers Comic Con. Um, I'll be working there, but also um, hosting the. Comics podcasting panel. Oh, sweet. Okay. Ooh, you're busy. And then mm-hmm. I will be at the Youngstown Comic Con. Okay. Yeah. I decided to try it again. Okay. It's, so it was, um, it was, a, it, you know, up until this year, it was called the All American, which is run by the All American comic chain out in Ohio. Huh. And they moved it to. Youngstown last year, and now they are changing the name to Youngstown Comic Con. Okay, they had four thousand people through the door last year, so it's good a job. It's been a good show. That's awesome. Um, and it's not that far from from uh, Pittsburgh, um, but it's in uh, July, and I believe it's July. It, it's the seventh. I think it's like not the first weekend because the first is on a Sunday, so I think it's the seventh and eighth. Okay. Of the of July, so cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you have to remind it. Yeah, once I get closer. Oh yeah, closer, yeah. Once we get closer. So yeah, I I want to be at this show. Literally in, signed up for that like two days December. ago. December. So. <laughs> 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 yeah, and then yeah, and then we're at this show. Yeah. All right. So. Well, um, again, Marcel, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you both for having me. We love, we love to talk to you, and we'll have you back anytime you want to be on the show. I'll be here. <laughs> All right. So this has been episode 270 of the Comic Book Pit. I'm Dan. And I'm Scott. And I'm Marcel. And we will see you next time. See you. Bye. Bye.